We are looking to answer the ultimate questions of why, how, and how we, by meeting with students and younger fo folks, and asking them to think about and answer what drives youth to engage with civil society. I hope you enjoy listening to the conversations that we have had. This is a podcast called Walk, Talk, Listen, an attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true albeit partial. My name is Maurice Blom and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Good day, everybody. This is another uh, episode of the podcast, Walk, Talk, Listen. And this is really special because this is the second focus group discussion that uh, we are going to have um, with five awesome uh, students. And uh, they will introduce themselves, as we always do. Uh, ben, can you maybe start? Yeah. So my name is Ben Yates. I'm from Charlottesville, Virginia, currently a rising sophomore at University of North Carolina. Um, in interdisciplinary studies, studied systems, systems thinking. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I'm Jake Tremaine. I'm also a rising sophomore at UNC Chapel Hill, um, majoring in psychology and hopefully business as well. Awesome. Thanks, Jake. Lindsay? I'm Lindsay. I'm also a rising sophomore at UNC Chapel Hill. Um, I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and I'm double majoring in political science and Hispanic studies with a concentration in law. And then I'm also getting a minor in politics, philosophy, and economics. Okay. You know, when I listen to you guys, I'm thinking like, why didn't I do that stuff when I was studying? Okay. <laughs> Great. I still hey, I'm uh, William. Um, also rising sophomore at UNC um, from Nashville, Tennessee, um, studying business and history for majors and then a conflict management minor. So, okay, nice to meet you, William. And we have also my my colleague here, Diana. Diana, can you maybe also? Uh... Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm Diana Marison. I am the community engagement manager for the uh, CWS Innovation Hub. Um, and I also am in school right now. I'm getting my master's in international relations um, here in New York. Right. And Diana started as a volunteer for the volunteer intern for the Innovation Hub. And, you know, we I Innovation say... Hub is, is like Hotel California. You know, you can <laughs> you can never get out anymore. So, uh, no, it's it's so great to uh, to work with you, Diana. Um yeah, what, what I would like to, to ask you, and you decide by yourself who will start first to answer this, is um, the, the, the kind of the subtitle of our round table is what makes you tick? What makes you tick? What, what makes that, you know, you get out of bed in the morning? What drives you in life? Um, well, I, I guess I could try and take a stab at that. Okay. Um, I mean, it's a, I think it's certainly going to vary between, you know, different peoples and demographics and, and value sets. 
but at least for me personally, um, this probably has a lot to do with my upbringing, and, and you you know my dad as well. Um, so that, that probably has a lot of influence in it. Um, but I think just an awareness, uh, you know, we're kind of coming off of the, uh, the, the 1900s where there's a, a lot of conflict, a lot of violence, and a lot of issues after the Industrial Revolution that we've now seen the results of those. Um, we're starting to understand the the problems with, you know, a lot of our industries and, and a lot of big capital, all of those things and how it's been detrimental to a number of different demographics of people and groups of people. So I think an, an increasing awareness of that and then kind of passion about fixing and solving that, at least for me personally. And and before I ask the others to to uh, answer this as well, Ben, so um, has that to do with your upbringing, uh, according to you, or is this something you discovered yourself? Um, is there a moment in your life where you thought, okay, you know, I need to do something about this. This why that's why I need to study this, or you know, start doing this. Oh, uh, I think probably a lot of it has to do with a combination of the, the context in which I grew up, and then the guidance that I gained from my father. As you know, my dad's a sociologist. He kind of works around cities, um, and and, saw, and himself works in solving a lot of these issues. And then the context in which I grew up was a really radically racially segregated um city uh, charlottesville virginia which was where the august 12th rally was where a lot of that kind of racial tension was and i grew up in a predominantly poor african-american neighborhood being the only white family for blocks and then was constantly you know splitting worlds between that where i lived and then my dad was a professor at uva and so kind of seeing the tension between those things and seeing how that racially played out in schools how that obviously played out with a number of different rallies um, and then just kind of the gaps in access to opportunity and things of that nature between the, my neighbors and then others that I was, um, you know, you know, surrounded by in other contexts like school and, and my dad's work. Okay, thank you. Does this resonate with some of you, or you have a, Is it different? Is are there other reasons why you, you know, get out of bed in the morning? Yeah, mine's uh, similar. It came from my dad and grandparents they run a venture firm here in nashville um but basically what i've gained from them what kind of makes me tick um is getting out with more like having a purpose behind all the actions that i take and like seeing how my um, family has incorporated that especially like my dad and his daily life um and then kind of a moment where that shifted is i um shadowed a couple companies here in nashville um, last summer and one of them is a um, lumber company it's called walker lumber and supply um but but it's a family friend of ours but he came in from the oil industry in texas and then took over this family-run lumber company and he was like i'm gonna pour into the employees he said my employees are gonna be my number one priority and he did that he like he's taken guys out of drug rehab um and like um they now have successful careers through his company um and he's taking everyone from every walk of life and being like i'm gonna meet you where you are and you're gonna like i'm gonna care about my employees first and now he's they're the most successful lumber company one of them in nashville um and so just talking with him about he was like that was my purpose and i stuck to that no matter like it it was tough at times and there were times where it was like i'm not making as much money as i could because i'm pouring back into my employees 
Hmm. Um, just seeing that, that there are trade-offs, but that they're also like, they're, it's like long-term investment and not just monetary, but it's like um, having the whole company motto after that. And then just kept on seeing instances of that. And that's similar to how my um, dad and grandfather tried to invest in companies with similar visions. Um, so just thinking about that and how you can have purpose and even the more meaningless tasks, I guess, in life um, is kind of, I guess, what makes me get up and go. Mm-hmm. Great. Thanks. Lindsay? Gosh, I don't know if I have such a sophisticated answer to that question. I think for me, I'm also just trying to find my purpose, but just being happy doing things that allow me to connect with others, build relationships, try to contribute to the community in some sort of way. Okay. Um, and, 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 um, you know, if you think back about, you know, where you grew up, um, and how you was raised, did that play a role or yeah. I mean, did it start much later when you started to go to university and you start thinking about it now? How did that go? I think my parents instilled work ethic in me to always um, try my hardest at everything. But I think it was experiences I had that like pushed me in certain directions. I don't know if I would say it was like how I was raised. I think it's more just what I experienced like in adolescence. And can you give us an example of the experience? Um, gosh. Well, lots of things. I don't know how much we want to unpack, but I experienced some um some traumatic events when I was like 13. Mm-hmm. And it, it it had to do with my gender. And I think that made me interested in studying and understanding um gender inequality, which forced me down a path of getting more involved politically. And now I want to go to law school and I'm studying political science. So hmm. Okay, thank you for sharing that. Uh, Jake? Hey, yeah, um, I think I would also speak to the fact that a lot of why I get out of bed in the morning, a lot of what uh, drives me to grow and learn, and, um, the actions that I take are also stemming from family um, and upbringing. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the faith that um, has grown in me, thankfully. Um, and what it looks like has changed a little bit as I've gotten into college. It's looked more like bettering myself and learning and uh, trying to equip myself with the tools necessary to be able to be a better person on an individual kind of relationship um, basis, but also on a systematic, like talking to having a lot of uh, long-winded discussions with Ben just about, all right, what, what is this world we live in? How can we analyze it um, and equip ourselves to make make an impact that's going to last uh, in the world that we're in today um and so that's a lot of what's driving me to get up better right now it's all always evolving and changing um but mostly just bettering myself so that i can serve other people serve the community and just make the places that i have uh, kind of my hands dirty in uh better places and and to all of you is that you know what 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 happened to you that i mean you should when I listen to you, you all seem very engaged. Is that something that really started, the, you know, since you were at the university and that it accelerated or, you know, um, or was it before that? I, I would say, I mean, just because I was just talking and because I have a pretty, I think, 
obvious answer for this in my own head mm-hmm. right now, but I think a lot of it did become uh, certain to me. I took a year, not off, but deferred my start at Chapel Hill, so should be a sophomore by age, but had a, had a chance to work at a reconstruction company, um, move and live alone, um, start doing those things that are not things that I was doing. I also, I grew up in Chattanooga and went to uh, a private boarding school. I didn't board, but went to a board, uh, a private school. And so I felt like a, a lot of my perspective was closed off to just that small circle um, in the Bible Belt, coming from a, a well-off family um, and all these things. And last year really opened my eyes to how much systematic, just kind of poverty and problems there are in the world, uh, even in the individual uh, and that kind of drew me more into the, all right, let's, let's analyze this. And there's really a lot of work to do uh, and things to be passionate about fixing. Uh, so that kind of started for me as I went through last year and began school mm-hmm. uh, this year. Anybody else? Yeah. I mean, I, I think for me, I've, I've definitely always felt somewhat engaged um, for, for the majority of my life. You know, I was, when I was younger, like, like I said, I think the con- the context in which I lived and then uh, the way in which my which my dad and my mom kind of pushed me to engage with that reality. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I was on the, the Charlottesville Youth City Council. Um, so so pushing for policy and stuff like that and, and engaged in a number of other ways. I think the 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 manner in which I have uh, I have strived to create impact has changed in, in the way I think impact is created. And ultimately, the impact that I want to see maybe has altered some as I've uh, grown and um, learned more and bitten into more material education, that kind of stuff, especially since coming at UNC. Um, but I definitely think, you know, I've always I've always felt pretty engaged and, and felt a, a bit of an obligation. Uh, I think all of us here uh, come from relatively well-off families. You know, you know, most people at UNC, not for, not everyone, but a lot of people at UNC, you know, come from decent places, at least. Um and so, so somewhat of an obligation to take what we've been given, taking the opportunity, the gifts, the, 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 you know, the opportunity that we've had and then use it to serve at a certain, to a certain extent. Yeah, I'd say similar. I think more engaged um, since coming to UNC. I didn't, I was, like Ben was saying, felt somewhat of an obligation or not necessarily an obligation, but like a strong desire to give back um, or to, like reinvest in like the community I came from, um, the community at large in the United States and the world. Um, I didn't necessarily know what that would look like or how I could try to start making an impact there. And I think UNC, um, just some of the classes I've taken, like just exposure to material to like start um, that like thinking in my mind and how, and just like education on where the world's at, thinking about this and um, just, yeah, I think the, I didn't know where to start and the um, just starting to gather data points has been great and to assess uh, kind of where we're at now. Nancy? Um, yeah, I agree with what everyone said. I don't really have much to add. Just I definitely think for me, I've always been like engaged and that started before coming to the university and it's only just been amplified being alone and in college. Mm-hmm. And, and- do you know each other, all of you? I know everyone, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, Jake and Cook know each other. I don't. I don't know if uh, if uh, the other three. Know. Okay. 
each other. That, yeah, my 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 question to you to all of you is, you know, because we talked about you and and what gets you out of bed in the morning, what drives you, and you all seem to be engaged um, with, you know, yeah, concerned. Um, what about the young people that you see outside of the student community? What you know? Why do they get out of bed, according to you? Is there a particular kind of demographic group you're no. you're thinking no, about? No, when just... I just when I when you in your head when you think about you know young, the young the folks from my generation that are not going to university that I see when I go around you know in the town or yeah that's a tough one oh, I guess I can take a crack at it oh, I I think it's it's a somewhat tough question just because you know kind of being a university can. He often is a somewhat sheltered kind of isolated community. So I'm going to have to make some assumptions and, and presumptions about um, what I would assume to be the case, um, which is probably somewhat unfair and a bit of a generalization. Um, but you know, you're probably not going to university for one of a couple of reasons. One, either because you can't afford it um, or, or because you have some other path that you felt was better suited to you, whether it's trade school, whether it's, um, whether it's some sort of entrepreneurship, um, whether it's some path of kind of service or, or work that just doesn't require university, or you're someone who just isn't very motivated, right? So I feel like it generally is going to fall into one of those three categories. Um, just of people I know, um, that's typically what it is, is you either couldn't afford it, you, know, you had some other opportunity. Like I have a, I have a friend from, from high school who didn't go to university, but uh, like raises golden retrievers and, and sells golden retrievers and is making a killing doing that. Um, so I think, I think if you're, you're not going to university, it's probably one of those three categories. What motivates you, um, my, again, my assumption, which is probably unfair, um, but if you can't afford the university, you're in a position where what you're mainly concerned with is making ends meet. Um, and so getting out in the morning is you're, you're probably, you're probably going into the workforce and, and trying, trying to make money if you can't afford to go to school or afford to take a loan out. Um, and if you've another you another path, then you're probably if you're not going to the university, you would most likely be pretty passionate about that thing because you're pretty confident in your ability to do it. If you're not going to go to school for it, if you're starting a business or whatever it is, um, and then I would again would assume uh, make the presumption that it's some sort of passion for that, um, whether it's a business or or some other career path that you're confident to be able to achieve without school. Um, so again, that's that's what I would assume to be the case without really talking to those people. Okay. Anybody would like to react to what Ben just said, or you know, you have another opinion or something similar? Yeah, I think just seeing where society's at and having some anecdotal, I guess, evidence about what people desire, being in the university system or not, I feel like our kind of definition for I don't know what you want to call it is making the most amount of money doing the least amount of work. And I think people, yeah, in the university system and out of it can, can really buy into that. You could have, I think the friends that I have who didn't end up at a university are driven by making ends meet and making the most money possible uh, while doing the least amount of work or they like their work and they're, they're also making good money, but, I also know plenty of people in the university who are like, oh, oh man, I'll have to, you know, bite the bullet for four years. Um, then I'll be making this much more money. 
Can y'all hear yeah. me now? It's a little bit choppy, but for me at least. Okay. Well, just skip, skip, skip me for <laughs> now. Um, okay. Yeah. Sorry. At least from my perspective, it does seem like most people are just concerned with, um, like he was saying, making the most amount of money with a little amount with the least amount of work. Um, and that kind of seems like that is somewhat handed down from like what we're saying about how, what gets us up in the morning that comes from our parents. Um, to some extent, I think that same attitude, um, comes from some other people's parents. they kind of have that same general attitude. They're like, I'm going to work to make money to whatever, to just be able to do this, this, and this in my life, which is, that's where the fun comes from. I just got to do work. Um, which I know some adults that that is their perspective. And then that does get handed down to kids. And so, um, I don't know. But yeah, I agree that that's in general kind of what I see the um, okay. attitude right now. Thanks. Yeah, I agree with what everyone said. I do think to some extent, like it's an American bias to like have such a investment into work. And I think like in this society, you have to, like we don't really have high decommodification like they do in some like um European countries but I don't know if that's like people and I think everyone who goes to university it's also a way to put yourself in a position to earn more money because for a lot of jobs require you to go to college so I, I don't know if that's like people's drive behind it but I think you have to work in America at least um you know in in um in the regular uh, podcast, I talk, I ask question about what what are your worries, what are you worry about, you know, and then it's it's well, there's a lot of um, climate change, polarization. They talk about a lot of things, um, and then the next question that I ask is, but where do you still see hope? And when I ask that question, actually, the majority of the folks answer the same thing, and what they say is the younger generation that's you guys what do you what do you think when you when you hear that answer in terms of you know the hope is the next generation well i think it definitely puts a big burden on us um you know there's a it's tough i think to really know how much like because the nature of existential like kind of risk and worry and angst is is tough to reckon with and especially with the nature of media in today's world and the way it kind of perpetuates and feeds off of um existential kind of threats in a certain sense which is what climate change and political polarization arms races and um you know the kind of like china america uh tension right now all those kind of things um, our media feeds off that. So to know what the true state of all those things are and the actual threat that those pose can be difficult. Um, and, and so, so he, when we're here, okay, well, we're the, we're the hope, um, you know, the, the, for the, for my first reaction is like, kind of, wow, that's, that's, that's a lot to put on us in a certain sense, but at the same time, uh, you, you do see inklings of, of, of progress in, in, in all the different accounts. And, and then you look and you, you you kind of throw your hands up and there's the pandemic and there's riots and there's all these things that are happening and there's melting the ice caps and you can get kind of caught up in these echo chambers. But you can look back at a number of points in our history where 
things were arguably worse. You know, in the 60s, cities were on fire. In the 1920s, the Spanish flu killed way more people than COVID did. You know, and, and, and it was World War I and World War II and um, 9-11. And you know, there's all these different points in history that, you know, where people probably thought, you know, this is the worst it's been. And, you know, if it gets any worse, the country's going to fall apart or the world's going to fall apart. Um, and I think, again, our media feeds into that. Um, but at the same time, I, I think we typically we figure we figure things out and i'm not i'm definitely not a blind optimist by any means but i you know I, you being with you know, peers like the the people here present today and people at unc um who really have deep passion for solving the issues um that we're experiencing and that you've mentioned um gives me hope at the same time you know, you know seeing those people doing that and, and i hope at the same time that the work i'm doing provides some impact as well um yeah i guess i don't know if that really answers the question but Oh, I think you did. And anybody else? You I think it's, it. yeah. Um, when the older generation said, I think it's because we know, like, we know the reach we can have through social media and, like, we understand how that works. And then, like, that's no longer, like, in talking with my parent, uh, with my dad and my grandfather, they're like, we got to learn how to, like, what is the most effective way to reach the most amount of people? Like, there's this new technology. Great. What does that mean? How can that be effective? And I think our generation, like we've just grown up with technology, so we understand it a little bit more. Um, but I think that has to be paired with, like Ben was saying, um, like definitely walking into UNC and um, or stepping into UNC and seeing other people with similarly uh, with similar mindsets, and like, all right, there is a problem, but it's like it is something that we can chip away at and like be passionate about solving and. We may not know what that means, but we can like um, try to work through that together. I think that paired with our um, like understanding of technology, I think is that where the hope comes from. Um, um, somewhat in my like conversations with like my grandfather, he's like, "It's great. Like, if I could grow up in this generation and then be able to try to make an influence on other people that'd be great i just can't because he's like i don't we don't necessarily have the same understanding that y'all do so that's where the hope comes from so i think maybe i'm wrong that's an assumption lindsay um yeah i agree i think we have just better ways to make progress because of social media and i guess when i hear that it makes me like hopeful I'm like yeah like we got this guys we can do it <laughs> um and I mean it's obviously a big challenge and it's a lot of pressure but hopefully like all of us have a purpose and that purpose is to make I don't know to connect and make the world a better place Jake let's try it again yeah, go for it uh, it's raining it's raining okay. pretty darn good right now um but I'll try my best uh What's cool, I think, about our generation is, one, we're the most connected that it's ever been. That's an obvious statement. Um, but I think also the most adaptable. And that's really cool. I think we're definitely aware of all the issues, too. So I've been talking to Ben a little bit about this and William and listening to some stuff, but it's not so much now. And I think this is this is my uh, kind of listening of hope, uh, silver lining, I guess. But we're learning how to live not by saying, uh, you know, the fittest are going to survive, but those who can, you know, live together, that symbiosis kind of thing. 
uh, we're learning to live together. And I think for the first time in human history, if we learn to do that, I mean, I think we're in pretty good shape. And that's kind of encouraging. Is 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 it what some people would uh, call that we understand that we are all interconnected? Is that what you were alluding to or something else? I think I think that's definitely part of it. Um, but just because there's a lot of people on Earth and I guess our carrying capacity can only go up for so long as technology increases. But instead of competing with each other, like survival of the fittest, it's going to be survival of those who know how to live like peacefully coexist mm -hmm. together, I okay. guess. Not out-compete each other into extinction. Yeah. But there's an awareness of that, which I think is pretty cool. And I, I, I would I'd like to kind of add, add another thing too. Just on maybe the more pessimistic side, since I gave a bit of, bit of more optimistic outlook. Um, my worry when you know you so you feel other podcast guests on kind of you know the younger generation is the hope moves climate change. There's always issues, and we're gonna be the ones to solve it. Is that we're we're kind of inheriting a world that, while I did say that you know there's been a number of other periods of time in history that you could point to and say arguably that's worse in terms of. Um, angst and existential threat than now we it does the some of the problems that we seem to be facing appear to be fundamentally different in the sense that they they're actually eroding our own ability to kind of make sense of the world and then make rational decisions based on that sense making um you know i think kind of the political polarization, the nature of social media, the nature of AI and fake news and fake information and the rapidity, like like the the velocity and exponentiality at which that is spreading and the power in which it's increasing and kind of, and then that coming off of, of, of a period of time where we have throughout most of history, the institutions that generated meaning and purpose for most people have been abandoned um, to, to a great degree it does create worry for me in, in the sense, okay, like I, I look around at, you know, especially people that are younger than me that really grew up with the internet and iPads and technology and stuff like that. Uh, and I, and I, and I do, I do have some worry about our ability. So yeah, we're more interconnected. Um, but like what people actually want to achieve seems more disconnected than ever in a certain sense and on our ability to make sense and, um, and, and, and collaborate um in, in a way that actually solves problems um seems to be at uh in attack in a certain sense um, yeah. that that is um piggyback a little bit on you know what what do you what are we able to do about this um i mean my organization kind of you know we hope that we are contributing to you know a better world um is any any one of you involved in any justice humanitarian work um, at the moment or in the past? I was on the the, the U City Council, which worked primarily with kind of racial segregation in Charlotte, so, so worked a lot with that. Uh, less so now, uh, more study stuff. Um, well, I, I think my my dad may have mentioned the, the club that uh, William and Jake and I are starting here at UNC, which isn't specifically working on humanitarian work, but that's kind of a facet of it. Um, just kind of looking at the nature of nature of what an, what a human ecosystem is, and and then the institutions and intersections of different disciplines that are necessary to understand and kind of design intentionally to, towards some end of flourishing. And hum, humanitarian work is definitely a function of that. Um, but 
less affected. Mm -hmm. Okay. I guess also sort of less connected. I work for um, a U.S. senator, and so I like create policy and do stuff like that. Um, and it's just more like making calls and getting people coffee, but it contributes to the overall community. Um, and then I'm on UNC's honor court where I make decisions about students and what their punishments should be, which is a big part of the community. Okay. And how often do you do that work? It, how, yeah, how do you combine it with the study? Um, it's, a, it's not too much. I have like a few cases every month and then I, it just takes up like my whole evening, but it's worth it for me. William, Jake? Not directly involved in anything right now, but uh, volunteer volunteer work here and there with Habitat for Humanity and uh, different organizations. Thinking about this club too, is definitely raising the educational awareness um, that I didn't have before. William? Yeah, um, same here. Not necessarily directly involved, but a lot of volunteer work. I was the student chair of our of um, the serving organization called Canine Companions in high school. Um, they train service dogs and give them to veterans and um, disabled people for free. Um, so that was cool. We raised money for them um, and just through like um, – different fun walks and community um, events and then various uh, I don't know I was also Boy Scout Eagle Scouts involved in the community there um, and working with all different facets of the community and trying to figure out how they all work together and play together to um, try to promote some good uh, does, does religion or spirituality uh, play a role in your desire to make this world better or you know make your life better so the role of is yeah is there a role for religion and spirituality okay okay um, <laughs> yeah definitely part of how i was raised but also something that i've found my hope and meaning in is the kind of the four the four-part gospel like there was a creation there was a fall there was a redemption but now there's a glorification where we have to both on the individual level learn how to become more like jesus christ and in on the in the places that we live in the society we live in how to make that look more like like um and i think that's my belief and that's a lot of what gets me out of bed in the morning and i think yeah that, that brings a lot of hope and a lot of direction to the efforts um even in education uh, pursued okay thanks william yeah um i'm similar that's um a good part of my purpose like i was talking about earlier is um comes out of my faith and my dad and uh, my whole family have kind of instilled in me that we're like stewards of the earth um like um jake was saying um like creation fall and all that but like right now we're supposed to be stewards and um like maintaining the earth and um the beauty that we're creating that's on the individual community and um like global level um there's different facets of it but it kind of boils down to that that we're stewards and um should be working towards the the good of the community and um maintaining the beauty goes into my purpose that i was talking about at the beginning of the day uh, mm -hmm. beginning of zoom so you know i think for me 
uh, faith definitely plays a role. Uh, the kind of conviction about faith is, I think, more recent for me than either William or Jake. Um, but again, I think really when you, when you think about kind of purpose and how uh, faith or spirituality would tie into that, um, comes kind of at the intersection of uh, the, uh, the word cookie stewardship. Um, I found very um, convicting in the sense that you, you know stewardship is really about what, whatever like whatever you've been given, right? It, it places a burden and a responsibility on you to to you think of yourself as kind of as a gardener, right? Whatever um, whatever those gifts and whatever those gifts and opportunities have, like that in a sense is that garden. Um, and you have an you have an obligation, you have a responsibility, you have a burden to cultivate that garden, to steward that garden, to to help it grow and prosper. And so, if you then relate that back to your community, you whatever slice of the world that you have the ability to impact, all right, that places that burden on you. Um, and then that in tandem with um, kind of a humbling of oneself in relation to others is something that's been really big for me more recently. Um, in the sense that kind of in, in tied in with the stewardship and the cultivation piece, uh, the, you know, like, I feel like a lot of people walk around the world, this is an I feel statement, but um, trying to kind of in, impose their will, in a certain sense, um, and in and, and, and that, but it with, a, with an inward bent, right, and so the nature of faith and in, in, in my purpose, right, I think the kind of notion of the humbling yourself before but in the in the awe of kind of creation um in in, in, in the world in that sense um places you in that kind of servant position um right yeah i think that that, that idea of cert, like stewardship in service um I, I guess that that intersection has really been what's been most influential for me um for me i've didn't really grow up in a religious household. It's never something that's really been a part of my life. Um, so it's not something that I really take into consideration. But yeah, that's just me. And and what about in terms of spirituality? Um, that's something I'm still figuring out, I think. Still young, I'm malleable. I'm trying not to be too like close-minded towards anything. And um so how how would you go about a question like you know what is the meaning of life why are we here what is your purpose I mean we talked I heard that word a lot today how would you go about it those questions um for me I think finding your purpose is something that happens as you as you're living um I think it's different for everyone I don't know if there's like a right answer to that I don't know if everyone does have a purpose um and I guess it's just it's something I just leave up to the universe I don't know mm -hmm. you talked and and um step in as well for the others but i i would like to ask you another question because you used the word a couple of times about connect and connecting mm -hmm. um yeah if i ask you can you come up with some examples of what you would consider you know connection in a good sense and connection in a, in a more negative sense 
Um, I guess like making friendships, interpersonal relationships, like social capital, just kind of as it is being with other people. And I guess that that can turn into a bad thing if those relationships aren't beneficial for your own individual growth. If you're being manipulated, if you're being physically abused, obviously those are things that are limiting you as a person. Um, and that's when it becomes negative. William, Ben, Jake, anything to add to respond? To uh, connection. Uh, what what you, I, uh, either the connection or the purpose. You know, I asked uh, Lindsay uh, two or three questions actually. So, um, yeah. Any reaction? What? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think connection is definitely something that's interesting to talk about post COVID. Um, I think we're really seeing the result of what happens when people are kind of hyper isolated um, and how important connection is and how it you know, certainly can be detrimental in certain senses. Um, I, I don't, uh, <laughs> some, of, some of these guys are to crack up because I bring them up a lot. Um, but, uh, you know, in the risk, in Nick McKean Ethics by Aristotle, kind of he talks about the nature of friendship. Um, Right, and he talks about different forms of interpersonal relationships, ones of use, kind of ones of, of vice and pleasure in a certain sense. So, so friendships of utility, um, or friendships where, or relationships more so than friendships, where people are trying to or using that connection, um, kind of as leverage to achieve some other end, um, and then relationships of vice or pleasure, or friendships where people aren't necessarily trying to use each other to achieve some other end, but are are engaged in particular acts that are um, uh, in, uh, kind of in bad faith or in vice and sort of in, in, to use his words. Uh, and for him, true friendships kind of takes the form of this almost a dance um, where you have two, uh, again, to use his words, which are tough in modern context, but two people of good soul and two, two people of virtue um, who kind of are in this symbiotic dance working together to to in to both enjoy the the good of the other person and then grow in that good at the same time, um, and again those words are ambiguous and tough in our own context, um, but I think pretty poignant in in the in that kind of notion of of the relationship between a, one human and another human and the, like that kind of forming this, um, the, again the, the the notion of a dance. Um, striving towards some sort of better version of each other um where neither they're in perfect tandem neither pulling one other down neither using each other for some um some bad some in some sort of bad faith way um so I, the way i think about connection probably would be best summed up in that no i like this comparison although some dances one one person has to lead right so uh yeah J jake william I like what you said. So someone's got to lead the dance. Um, but I, I think I don't have much to say. I think there's two pretty abstract, um, abstract just concepts. Um, but I think one is definitely connected to the other. It's meaning that relationship and connectedness um, personally is what brings a lot, a lot, a lot of purpose and meaning into my life. And more often, uh, or quite often, I wouldn't say more often than not, but quite often those 
those relationships and those connections are not ones of utility or even ones that might make me better, but just the ones that are that much more gratifying and shaping and purpose, purpose giving are those in which you don't get anything in return. That's just me. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think those have a place too as well. William, anything to add? Um, no, I, I agree with everything. Um, I'd say a lot on top of what Jake was saying, a lot of, I found a lot of meaning when I'm like intentional in my relationships with others, um, whether I am like Jake was saying, um, not necessarily getting anything out of it, but if I'm intentionally trying to get to know someone, I'm like, all right, like in this conversation, I'm solely focused on this person and trying to understand them. And that plays into like the dance that Ben was saying. Um, but yeah, I said add intentionality in there is where a lot of uh, fruitful relationships have come for me and like that connection. Okay, great. I would like to take you guys to the, you know, very concrete <laughs> question. And that is, you know, our organization has challenges in terms of reaching out to the younger generation. Um, yeah, what is the advice that you would give to us to connect or reconnect with the younger generation? would like to have the first crack could you um just quickly i was a little uh distracted mm -hmm. at the beginning just kind of recap on what what demographic you're trying to touch and you say younger generation but is it is it college students is it and what the purpose slash goal what are y'all trying to get across when you connect to the younger, younger sure. people no i i I think what we are looking at is that our present supporters of this organization that is 75 years old are on average 67 years old. Okay, so uh, we know that if we want to continue to do our work, that donor base or those supporters or the people we work with should, you know, that age group should go down. Um, so we are looking at different age groups, but this specific roundtable is about, you know, high school to students. And um, because we believe that if you make a connection at that in that age, or at least that that is one of our hypotheses that you know if you if you start making a relationship now, then ultimately, you know, uh, I mean that relationship could start, or when you have made a good relationship during your these years, then ultimately you would go to us um, if you know if you want to go for work or you want to support a good cause. That's basically. Um, you know what we are looking at so um and we work you know on, on poverty hunger uh, displacement uh, issues around the world uh, including the us after an emergency you know we respond uh, mostly through partner organizations so we don't fly experts out we work with local uh, organizations um so that's kind of in a nutshell uh, what what we do um we are you know we are going well but uh, we also know that you know we need to do better in terms of our connection with uh, the younger generation so that's 
the question that I'm asking. So how should we do that? How should we get that connection with you and, and uh, you know, start maybe co-creating or working with you? The younger generation is aware of poverty and like current events and all those things. And we see a lot of like advertisements or just people like, oh, we're going to help these people. Don't necessarily know what that entails. Um, I think opportunities to talk with people or with y'all about what you're actually doing and what that actually looks like um, would, at least for me when I was in high school, would have um, definitely encouraged me or got me more interested in being more involved to know like actually what y'all are doing and um, like how both I can help and um, like if I'm interested in that, it's like, okay, this is a path that I can, like, this is what I should be pursuing. And like, this is the knowledge that I should be chasing after right now. Um, so more, I feel like there's like bridges the gap between, we understand what's going on. We see the problem in the world or we see the crisis that's being addressed. And then we see what's like, and they're like, okay, great. Refugee camps doing great. It's like, what are those in-between steps? Like actually understanding that and opportunities to learn about that would be, helpful and then advertising that through um uh, like through high schools i know at least in my high school they did some zooms like that um where like the dean of students would send out a zoom and be like anyone interested um and then he had people in mind that he knew would be interested and they recruited their friends and then you get some people through that um, but i think just those opportunities to learn would be helpful yeah, just to add on to that, I also think advertising through social media could be one way to connect with younger people. I mean, all of us, a lot of people are on TikTok, and which is the name of this, so that could be worth it. Um, but Instagram, reaching out that way through schools um, is also a good one, like Will mentioned. And um, you could also frame it as like service opportunities, which might not attract the best crowd, but a way to make your college application look strong by gaining experience through this way. And that might entice a lot of high schoolers to join and to do things. Thanks, Lindsay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think like there's kind of like a, a different number of different levels that you can attack this at, right? There's kind of that large, that like, like height, like large scale thing where you, kind of, you want to try to reach as many people across the country as you can. And that's probably going to be done through social media. In Instagram, TikTok, those kind of things, because can reach most people. But I think, it, and again, it depends on what level of engagement you want to attract out of people, right? So if you just want people to see and maybe donate some money or maybe come and do one thing, social media is probably going to do that for you, maybe. But if you really want people to buy in legitimately, I like and like come and work for y'all or really become invested, my assumption would be that the way to do that is to you you probably will need to form relationships with key players and in institutions like universities. Like for example, a, a guy named Madison Perry at, at UNC, he runs the study center there. And if you form a relationship with him, then he is someone who's a, he's a mentor and he's an important player for all of the youth who are attached to the institution. And so like, the issue is that there's we've been kind of desensitized to a lot of service institutions in a lot of sense in terms of like the validity and utility of them. 
right? You kind of see all these advertisements and, and church groups that are going out and helping people who aren't really doing a whole lot. And you say, okay, well, I'm just going to go do community service to form my resume or something like that. But you're not really making an impact. Well, you don't, well, you guys are, and you guys are doing real work that need not only is good work, but work that needs to be done. You need you need to have someone essentially vouch for you in local communities, people, someone that's trusted. And that takes time for sure to first find that person and build that relationship. But I think ultimately, like, you need to link to those to those people of influence in local communities that then when, okay, like if, you know, if, for example, Madison Perry said, she says, okay, CWC, a CWS needs some people to come work or, you know, people to come, you know, help out and do service work here. He says that it's way more likely that people are going to come sign up um, because he's someone that people trust and know that he's only going to, he's only going to suggest that if it's something that's actually doing good work, mm -hmm. um, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. It does. Jake, anything to add or? This is kind of a cheesy example, but when we got to the to the university, you're trying to choose who, who your friends are going to be. Obviously, like there's the whole Kearney Rush scene. And to, to make those connections, you have to be where those people are. And almost, and this, again, this is a cheap metaphor, but you have to start to act and talk and be like, I mean, I think that sense, in that sense, I agree with Ben. I think the most utilized language would be social media, but I think the most meaningful connection would be stuff like this. All right. I have, I have this memory in my head. I have uh, been able to share my opinion and contribute in a way um, and reflect and look at it, uh, look at and think about the opportunities and the work y'all are doing more than just an ad on social media for half a second or something like that so that's necessary for sure to have a presence in today's society but i think being with the target population that you're trying to capture the hearts of and trying as much to relate with them and be like them as you can is kind of the, the key i think the golden ticket for you diana is there anything i i uh... I should have asked that I forgot. Um, no, I think we covered a lot of ground. Um, my my mind always goes to 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 actions and how we can make a more. So you know we're we're looking at these roundtables to see you know why and how we can engage, but for me it's more what kind of pathways can we create that will be the most appealing. Um, and how can we better as nonprofits, what are things that we can do that you would like to see that would be more enticing for you to join? Because I know nonprofits are not always necessarily the most enticing because, you know, we are always low on money and a lot of times it is just a lot of volunteering. And so if there were ways that you would want to engage more, are there specific things that you would look for in an organization or in a type of role or the kind of work that you do that would stick out to you more? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's definitely tough. Like, like you said, the, the the nonprofit world in general. Um, I think when so you think about internships, for example, getting engagement at that level, you're you're usually looking for kind of a combination of three things as a college student. Um, one being a resume builder, um, two being some sort of tangible experience, um, be, to be able to you know kind of go into a place. And then come out with some like acquired skill or a new knowledge of how some sort of system works. Um, 
And then three, I think, you know, certainly being paid, but that's probably lesser of those first two. Um, and so looking at the way in which you craft your internships to be appealing, right? I mean, you, you guys are a fairly big organization. So in that world, I think name recognition certainly helps. Um, but then crafting the internships to where the interns aren't just coming in serving coffee, but they're really biting their teeth down on the and engaging heavily um, in your guys' work to where the, uh, you know, you kind of have to balance that with their actual ability to contribute because we are college students, right? Um, but I know for me, when I look at internships, I'm saying, okay, um, what, how, how is this going to kind of increase my skill toolkit in a certain sense to where I come out of this? And when I apply for my next internship or my next job, I can point to how this particular experience made me a better candidate for that, right? Um, and, and so kind of just looking at the way in which you craft your internships on, on that level. I'm not quite sure if that answered your question, but. It does. Um, so I definitely do want to hear from the other people, especially if if internships are the one way you're thinking. But um, I know for us, I'm also thinking a little bit more of, are there other things other than internships and ways that you can engage? Because I know a lot of, you know, I mentioned advisory boards and I sent Marisa note. I was like, I don't know why we don't have a youth advisory board or um, we've talked about, you know, like a youth ambassador program. So other ways that you can be involved that you feel more like um, you have more, I guess, in a sense, autonomy and you feel more personally connected to the work. Um, or if that maybe that's not even something that you'd want to do, maybe internships are, you know, you're looking for something short term. So I guess you know, just sort of thinking about those things, what are the kinds of, I guess I'll just leave that and have you guys, what other answers come to uh, your mind? I've, I've got a good friend, I'm sure y'all are familiar with IJM, International Justice Mission, but I've got a friend who's partnered with them at, at UNC Chapel Hill and what I think sparks her passion for the, the mission is the autonomy, like you said, and the ability that they've tasked her with um, to raise money and to raise awareness. Um, so maybe it's tasking students, not necessarily as an intern, but signing, being able to sign up for y'all's chapter at like a, a university campus um, and be able to spread awareness. Um, I know last semester or every semester, she helps put on like a fundraising concert. Um, and I think that get, brings a lot of meaning to her life and uh, makes her really attached. I think beyond that also just service trip opportunities and uh, maybe like ben said the opportunity to build some tools and go abroad or have, like gain that experience that you'll take with you um sure put on a resume but also i think just giving in a sense uh, is what people are looking for these days or um like you're saying internships even if an internship's not necessarily fully attractive someone breaking that down into smaller projects that someone could work on for two or three weeks um, might be more attractive because that might be more attainable for someone to do if they're still working in the summer somewhere else um, but at night they can like work a couple hours on a project or what, however that looks um, on y'all's end uh, but I think that would be attractive to get that tangible experience and like be able to like um, incorporate that into what they're already doing. Yeah, I, I actually, I just, I, I thought of something that I, I, you know, kind of saw off the top of the head. Uh, are you guys familiar with like the Big Brother, uh, Big Sister programs at all? Um, 
you, you know, like you're trying to think, okay, what's something that's both high value, but also probably on the lower lift side of things, unless it's paid for college students. Cause you know, we're, you're juggling a ton of different things, you know, internships, clubs, academics, sometimes sports, right? So, so if you're not getting paid for it, then it's going to have to be something that doesn't take up a ton of time. Um, and so formulating something along the lines of, okay, you know, you're resettling refugees in particular communities and having say college students or high school students as like that person's point person in that community to where they maybe meet with them every week and to form because they're then, then you're forming personal relationships. You're helping that, um, that, that, that refugee feel welcomed, feel at home and feel connected. Right. But that wouldn't necessarily take a ton of time or lift on the side of the uh, side of the student, you know, you know, meeting once a week. Um, and I feel like that would really help, you know, because of the nature of that, the the hyper personalization of it, it it would it would entice the college student to really participate in that because they feel like they're getting value from it. Yeah, that's a really good one. I honestly, I'm surprised that I we've never thought about that before because I think that's because we do often talk about you know how can we connect refugees to the communities and they have. A lot of community support, but having that sort of one-on-one, -on -one, especially because a lot of the families um, have younger children or come with teenagers, and I know for them they don't necessarily want to engage the way that their parents do. So I guess offering them other ways to engage with people who are similar in age would be really, um, a really special and interesting thing. So that's, I really like that. I mean, these are all great, but that one, that one. So we do a lot of refugee work, so that one uh, sticks out a lot. Um, yeah, Lindsay, did you have any any thoughts? Oh, I think y'all hit all of my ideas. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything else. Okay, I I have actually one last question um, for you, and that is, I mean, uh, three of you definitely faith plays a role, and and uh, you know our organization name is Church World Service, and actually with the majority of your generation, that name is a problem um so they don't even want to open the door so th therefore we started to use cws in in those um and and you know if you explain the values then it's not an issue but the word church is 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 problematic so um i have a question to the three of you um in terms of it, would that be a a must for you that you know you would work for a faith-based organization or with and for you, uh, Lindsay, uh, the other way, and that is, would be an organization that has church in its name problematic to connect and to work with? I know for me, I can say it wouldn't be a problem for me because like the values align similar to my own personal values. Um, and that's like all that matters. The name doesn't really, isn't an issue. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd probably echo that. I think probably the the issue is that we're like, I don't know, probably by nature, when, when you're looking through things and you see an advertisement and you see the word church, right, that comes with a ton of baggage, especially in the world we live in today. And so just in terms of like immediate reaction outreach for probably a lot of people, um, they just like you have to then dig deeper to see okay what is this actually doing how does this impact people how does this align with my values um, so just in terms of like the name 
Um, I, you know, for me, it's all the only thing that matters is values. I, I mean, if it, you, there's probably plenty of religious organizations and institutions that don't align with my values at all that I never worked for, and a lot of secular institutions that do, and I'd work for them over those other religious institutions. Um, but in terms of just outreach and you know getting people engaged, um, the immediate reaction definitely um, plays a part in whether or not you're going to click that or not click it. Um, so. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, it is. It, it does. The, the word church does come with baggage these days. Um, I don't think I want to provide like a suggestion as to whether or not you should lead with the name or change the way you say it or change the way you introduce it because I, I think in the creation of this club, just for a little microcosm or kind of drafting what this club might look like to the outside. Uh, we're trying to keep away from religious meeting places and maybe church lingo and stuff like that. Just, just for diversity of thought and opinion and belief, because that's some that I think should be included in it's called the human flourishing initiative. And I think everyone should be able to flourish church or not. Um, we're trying to create that environment um, for a refugee slash service slash completely philanthropic um, kind of effort. I th I can't speak to whether or not because some people will only give if it's a church organization. Do I think that's more relevant to the older generation? Yeah, definitely. Um, but also, I think the younger generation can have some if they look past the first title and look into the values and the mission. I think. Definitely still catch some hearts and some eyes for sure. Um, but yeah, I would definitely back that that idea that our generation definitely does have a there's baggage that comes with the word church. Um, and I know I just reiterated, reiterated a lot, uh, but that's what I think. Thanks, William. I think our generation is more inclined to. Like go past the name and see what the values actually are of the company, um, and those what those values are, or what would determine, or, um, yeah, would inform my decision on whether or not I'm involved in that organization or not. Um, but like, I mean, like everyone's saying that is there's baggage with the name church, but I don't necessarily know. I think including or not including it opens and closes doors to different donor groups, so it's kind of a I don't know. You're choosing between different sides, and then, but if you, the values um, are definitely a big part of, I think, for our generation, um, where that decision comes from. Okay. Thanks. Um, Diana, do you have anything? That no. Do you guys have a question for me or for Diana before we close? I don't think so. This has been great, though. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate y'all having us and getting to our opinions in and learn a lot. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for hosting us. Thanks a lot. Um, I will keep you posted uh, when it will be available. Good luck with everything you do. Uh, awesome. And hopefully our paths will, will cross again. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and maybe uh, uh, shoot us another email on ways to get involved. 
um, if you don't mind. Yeah, be awesome. yeah, that's all I was gonna say. If you decided to form that council or whatever, I think we'd be interested. Yeah, no, I definitely would be as well. Okay, sounds good. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. So much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you. For listening to Walk, Talk, Listen, please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram.